My name is Juliana, and I like to use this platform to talk about things that interest me. These topics range from feminism, to movies, to my favorite fruit at the moment, to parks and recreation, and why I think it's the best show. This week, I've decided to dive into the world of young adult fiction. I have been a reader for as long as I can remember. One of my earliest memories is sitting on this huge corduroy chair my sister and I used to have in our bedroom. I had just gotten back from school, and on the way home, my dad and I had stopped at the Hastings Library to pick up the newest Sisters Grimm book. I remember reading it, sitting there before even changing out of my uniform, oblivious to the sun setting, to the homework I had, unaware of anything else but the world I held in my fingertips. And that's what I've always loved about reading. It never fails to amaze me how words on paper have such worldly powers. How I can travel time and distance without leaving my room. As I grew up, my love of reading began to intersect with my love for change and for social justice and equality. And that's really what brought us here today. After rereading a few books that I obsessed over during my teen years, I was struck by how white they were. Sarah Dessen used to be the quintessential summer read for me. As I reread one of her books during a bout of recent sadness spurred on by the overwhelming stress of online school, I realized that these books no longer provided a sense of comfort. Instead, I was faced with a blatant, exclusionary, and formulaic white boy meets white girl novel. This past semester, I had the amazing opportunity to take part in a course that helped bring knowledge and awareness to the lack of representation within young adult novels, specifically within fiction. That, combined with the fortuitous timing of my rereading of Sarah Dessen, has led to this episode. So if you're a regular listener, you may know that I like to begin with some numbers to kind of set the scene of what we're going to be talking about. So overall, within the publishing industry, white people comprise a whopping 76%. Of that, cis women make up 74%. 81% of publishers are straight and 89% are non-disabled, making that category the largest one by far. I got these numbers off of a Lee and Lowe blog that published this typographic survey of publishing. So straight off the bat, I'm seeing that the people in charge of publishing books fit a very specific demographic. As the blog says, the people behind the books serve as a gatekeeper. Their choice determining what stories are told goes way beyond what one may think. Often, these books get much more notoriety, more fame. They get put on display in libraries and in bookstores. The books published by smaller independent venues that take a risk and publish stories written by queer people about queer people or by people of color about people of color, they don't get the recognition that they deserve. Sometimes, to offset this, authors introduce a token character, and thus we introduce the concept of the default character. This is the token person of color, the token queer person, someone that the author or the publisher can use to say, look, hey, we've got representation here as well. What I often see accompanying these characters, however, is an over-the-top depiction of their marginalization. In essence, we see the stereotypes really come out to play during these characterizations of minorities. 
This, however, is detrimental. This stereotypes people and further marginalizes them, as well as pits them as a sidekick to the main character, to the white person, who plays the role of the hero or the savior more often than not. Another article that I read in preparations for this week's topic was The Fault in Our Fiction, a spin on the novel and later hit movie The Fault in Our Stars. This article speaks about the formula once again. And this is not exclusive to Sarah Dessen, this is not exclusive to novels or young adult fiction either. We see this formula play out in TV shows and movies constantly. This article talks about the variables we see within these formulas. And to elaborate for any of you who may have gotten a bit confused, picture it like this. The author is given a sentence and a word bank. The words that have already been provided are cis, heterosexual, non-disabled, white girl meets heterosexual, non-disabled, white boy, and they fall in love. Then, picking from the word bank, authors choose one of ten characters, tropes, or add-ons to make their story different, or to diversify it. Let's play a quick game out of this. Put a finger up for every novel you can name that has one of these deviations from the formula I just mentioned. The Ethnic Best Friend, The Love Triangle, An Apocalypse, Vampires or Werewolves, or, like Twilight, both. You know I could continue. The tropes are never-ending. My point is, however, white people get their fair share, no, more than their fair share of stories. We get to see them doing anything, in any world, in any lifetime. Where are the people of color, the queer people, etc.? This brings me to my next point. As I was doing my research, I wondered, what's with this false sense of representation? Why are white authors continuously misrepresenting marginalized people? Why are publishers blatantly disregarding stories deviating from mainstream voices? The first thing I thought was, maybe they don't realize what they're doing? But having one ethnic best friend whose character portrays stereotypes, or mentioning that the only gay kid in school was well-liked doesn't equate to representation. Representation within young adult novels requires multidimensional characters. This is shown in queer characters whose stories don't revolve around their coming out. Jack of Hearts and other parts did a fantastic job at this, another novel I read for this class this past semester. Real characters that are multidimensional look like characters written by queer people, by people of color. They're characters that stories don't just revolve around romance. These feature characters that just exist while being queer, while being black, while being trans, while being disabled. But more often than not, we don't get these representative stories. We get one-dimensional characters that don't satisfy anything other than a quota. So now we get to the age-old question. Why does representation matter? At first, I didn't think I'd need to make this part too comprehensive, as I assumed my listeners would be on the same page as me. Then I reflected, and I realized that I strive to create an equal and safe place with this podcast, and I recognize that some people may not know or may not be exposed to the knowledge that I've had the privilege of. That being said, why does representation matter? Well, first off the bat, Having diverse characters helps expand the world for readers. These stories shouldn't be unique to white cis heterosexual people. Carry On by Rainbow Rule is a really good example of a queer boy living in a world of fantasy and magic. In this, Simon Snow is a presumably bisexual boy, which is an even further marginalized group. Bisexual men actually face quite a lot of stigma from 
both straight women and queer men in the community. Another article I read focused on how the texts that we read shape our lives and understanding the world around us. Literary teachers have a power at their hands that other educators may not. They have the ability to disrupt the thinking that leads to horrific hate crimes such as anti-LGBTQ plus shootings or racially motivated hate crimes. A good example of novels that disrupt this is The Hate You Give, which was actually later adapted into a fantastic movie. But this really helps bring education, brings perspective into stories for young adults. We all deserve to see ourselves represented in these stories. We deserve to be able to live out the dream of saving the world or of saving the girl. This is something that shouldn't just pertain to a small group of people. What this does tell me is that there's a much larger societal issue at play. The exclusion that we see within young adult novels is only a reflection of the issues that face people every day and that are systemic in society. I'm not saying that literature is the answer to these problems, but I am saying that helping create a more diverse world of literature for young people will help to solve these problems. They're going to grow up with more exposure, with more awareness, with more ideas and acceptance because of the novels that they read. So on that somewhat sad note, I'd like to thank you for sticking with me for another week as I vent about issues in society that frustrate me. I encourage you all to go to your local library, go to your local bookstore, seek out different storylines that deviate from that white cis heterosexual one, explore new topics, you'll enjoy it. Until next week!